Hi, it's Bonnie here and thanks for listening to The Leader Podcast. This is where we bring you the latest news, interviews and analysis from the Evening Standards newsroom every day at 4pm. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm Bonnie Christian. How two young footballers became breakout stars off the pitch. You know, it, it was always a famous saying that no one's bigger than the, than the club. That's now up for debate. The Evening Standard's football journalist James Robson says Marcus Rashford and Raheem Sterling's achievements off the field are overshadowing those on it. And... The number of cold traps on the moon, based on our research, is upwards of 10 billion. Planetary scientist Paul Hain on how a discovery in the nooks and crannies of the moon could have big implications for future lunar missions. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. In a moment, how football stars are driving real change. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. It used to be that when a footballer's name was strewn across the front pages, it made for grim reading. But now, English footballers are dominating the headlines for all the right reasons. Manchester United Ford 22-year-old Marcus Rashford is taking on the government over its refusal to provide free school meal vouchers to pupils during school holidays. And Manchester City's 25-year-old Raheem Sterling has plans to create a foundation aimed at supporting disadvantaged young people. Our editorial column says the young players deserve our support. Both players come from humble beginnings and have used their platforms to advocate for social change. Rashford grew up as one of five children while his mother worked full-time on minimum wage. Sterling was raised in the shadow of Wembley Stadium in northwest London. Football can be synonymous with greed, but football clubs have long been at the core of their communities. When the sport gets it right, It can be a tremendous force for good. Our football journalist, James Robson, joins me. James, what gives Rashford and Sterling their drive? I think the the big thing about it, really, and I think why it's 
proven to be so effective so far and, and, and caught so much attention is because it is absolutely authentic. In this day and age, I suppose we're, we're kind of used to um, people saying all the right things at the right time. And particularly in sport, I think a, a complaint of, of football reporters is too often they're really protected these days, footballers, and you never really get to know them or get to know uh, what they're really thinking about anything. And that, that really can be a, a frustration for a reporter uh, trying to get stories from them. And I think that's why this is so refreshing, because... This is a real insight into them as people and what they're passionate about. Um, and I think that, that just comes across in, in everything they're doing, which is why it is so uh, so effective. What experiences have these players had to make their messages so, as you say, authentic? Yeah, so with Rashford, he's been quite open about it. Yeah, he needed free school meals. Um, his family would use soup kitchens on, on occasion. Um, he, he would go to collect uh, Christmas dinners. He's spoken about that. So he's coming from a place of, of knowledge with this. He, he knows absolutely the, the struggle and the plight of, of so many uh, struggling families out there. And he's come through it. And he said himself that, you know, he wouldn't be where he is today if it wasn't for the fact that he had a community to, to rely on, but also things like uh, soup, soup kitchens and, and, and school meal vouchers. So again, that just adds to the authenticity of of what he's saying. With Sterling, he, he's someone who has experienced it. He actually shone a light on uh, what he believed was um, the way he, he, he is treated differently to other people uh, because of the colour of his skin. And he's, again, he's, he's, he's a voice for, for people like him. He's suffered. Uh, we, we, there have been incidents that, that, were, that have been well publicised. So again, it's just a strong voice talking to young people. And it, it's powerful, again, because it's authentic. Um, the fact that, yes, he's a superstar, he's a footballer, he's this, he's that, that's great. But he's talking about issues really that affect um, a, a huge amount of society. Rashid, for one, has um, 20 million followers about on social media and his campaign has been backed by Rock Nation. I mean, how much influence do these players have? Well, they have enormous influence. And that, that's, that's the thing that social media has done. You know, it's completely changed the landscape. So footballers in the past, you know, it was always a famous saying that no one's bigger than the, than the club. That's now up for debate because you look at uh, football clubs and you look at the individual players and the players uh, quite often will have uh, a greater social media following than the clubs. They are in their own right enormous, almost institutions, if you like. So if they get behind something, they've got an enormous backing to to support them on it. And this is what I think the government's finding with Rashford. You wonder if maybe they thought when they did the U-turn in the summer over um, extending it during the school holidays, that maybe they thought, well, Rashford will be happy with that. He'll now go away quietly. Well, there's none of that. You know, that, that was just the start for him. He, he saw how effective he could be uh, by, by with this campaign. And he wants to, he doesn't just want it to be extended here, extended there. He wants a, a complete change um, and he has the backing. So, you know, if, if the government come out and say, no, we're not going to do it. Well, he's got 20 million people behind him that he can speak to. And that's growing. It's growing because of, of what he's doing now as well. So uh, it does give him an enormous power and you can't silence him, whereas maybe in the past you might have been able to. Do you know how he's reacted to the government's vote last week and what he's likely to do next within his campaigning? Well, he's reacted in the right way, hasn't he? You know, it, it, there's been no, uh, certainly no sense of him just giving up and backing down. It's it, He's doubled down on it. 
you can see by the reaction that he's had with so many communities and uh, uh, and councils actually backing him now and saying, no, we are going to help feed the, the needy children, needy families in our communities. That will only grow. I think the hope is that, you know, the, the government will see sense. Um, you, you certainly hope so. Football clubs do a lot for their communities, which Rashford and Sterling are really highlighting. Are there any other players to watch who might be following their lead? I think the the hope will be that with two people like Rashford and Sterling, who are right at the top of their game, you know, they play for two of the biggest clubs in the world, the England football team superstars. The hope is that the next generation of players coming through, and these are still young men, let's remember, but then the next generation of players coming through will look at those two and, and they will be role models for them. And not role models just in the sense that, oh, he's a brilliant footballer, he's earning millions of pounds and he's got however many cars and, and homes around the world. Um, they'll actually be role models because they'll think, yeah, I can actually use that platform to make a difference. And uh, I think if that is what comes from this, then it, it, it's fantastic. Next. That's what's going on inside these big, dark shadows. They, they literally never see sunlight and they haven't for at least a billion years. How shadowy regions of the lunar surface could be used to trap water. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hidden pockets of ice on the moon could be much more common than scientists previously thought, and this discovery could mean water is going to be more accessible for astronauts on future lunar missions. Paul Hain is an assistant professor in the Laboratory of Atmospheric and Space Physics at University of Colorado Boulder. He assessed a whole range of possible sizes for these so-called cold traps, He joins me now. Paul, what did scientists already know about cold traps? Right. So we've been studying the cold traps for about a decade now with NASA's Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter spacecraft, which is still in orbit at the moon. And the focus for that 10 years or so has been pretty firmly on the largest cold traps that we can see from orbit. These are typically inside big craters with names. Uh, They're very prominent in both polar regions. And the cold traps are the portions of those craters that never see sunlight. And this is because the spin axis of the moon is not tilted very much at all relative to the direction of the sun. 
And so if you imagine standing at the poles of the moon, you would see the sun revolving around the horizon over the course of the lunar day. And so if you drop down inside a crater, then the walls of the crater will block the sunlight. And so that's what's going on inside these big, dark shadows. They, they literally never see sunlight, and they haven't for at least a billion years. Because of the, the lack of an atmosphere on the moon, that causes the temperatures on the surfaces of these cold traps to be extremely low. And the, the coldest surfaces we've measured there are only just a bit above 20 degrees above absolute zero. These are, are areas where if, if ice gets trapped in there, uh, the ice will behave basically like a rock for billions of years. It's not going anywhere. What's new here is that we started to realize that besides the, the big cold traps that are obvious from the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter observations, if you zoom in and you keep zooming in, you see more and more of these shadows on smaller and smaller scales. So how many of these cold traps have been found now and how much water could these potentially hold? So the number of cold traps on the moon based on our research is upwards of 10 billion. And the vast majority of of those cold traps are on this small scale between the size of a small coin and a meter in size. And we actually don't have a direct measurement of the amount of water inside these cold traps yet. We plan to very soon through NASA's Artemis program and the other lunar landers that are upcoming. But if, if we're right and these cold traps are every bit as good as the, the bigger ones, we anticipate uh, something like a, a billion kilograms or so of, of water inside these micro cold traps. What do your findings mean for future missions, either to the moon or elsewhere in space? It's really exciting because this means that the water could be much more widespread and accessible to future astronaut and robotic missions because the micro cold traps are scattered all over the the surface within about 10 degrees of, of both poles, as opposed to trying to venture deep inside one of these big, dark, cold shadows inside one of the larger craters, the astronauts could stand in sunlight and bend down or or reach a tool into a meter-sized cold trap and extract ice. So we think this is going to have important implications for future exploration, both in terms of the scientific analysis of the water and trying to understand where it came from, and also for exploration purposes for making rocket fuel and also uh, drinking water for the astronauts. So you mentioned that you haven't actually seen these smaller ice traps. What is the next stage of the research? Will astronauts or rovers be sent to the moon to explore this further? Yes, we have several upcoming missions, including one that will be the first of NASA's polar lander missions, uh, on which we have an instrument called the Lunar Compact Infrared Imaging System. So it's an infrared camera that basically follows on from the work that was done using the infrared instrument on the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter called Diviner, uh, but doing so from the surface. So we're going to land very close to the south pole of the moon, and we're going to do a survey using panoramic images to take pictures of these micro cold traps for the very first time and measure their temperatures. And then other instruments on the same lander will make an assessment of how much water is contained 
inside these permanent shadows. And are there any implications for how we understand how water formed on Earth? Well, I would say in addition to the exploration uh, importance of, of this discovery, it's also important for understanding how the, the water got to the moon in the first place, which helps us understand how Earth got its water. So by analyzing the water and other volatiles inside these shadows on the moon, we can lend insight to the question of how Earth got its oceans and other questions about how water moves around in the solar system. And that's The Leader. You can read more on those stories by picking up a copy of the newspaper or visiting standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm.